Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi, I hope you're having a great month as you are beginning to wind up your study of glory for the month of December. We are studying God's glory as it pertains to some characters, especially women in the book of 2 Samuel. Right now we're studying some of the women of the kingdom, the United Kingdom before it was divided, and some of the ways that they brought glory to God and some of the ways that they managed to hide God's glory from those who were around them. I want us to begin today with a passage that has our word kabod in it in Proverbs chapter 3, the very last three verses of that chapter, beginning in verse 33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. Surely he scorns the sinners, but he gives grace to the lowly or the submissive, those who are submitting to his will. And the last verse of the chapter says, it's the one that has our word in it, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. That word glory is kabod, meaning honor. Those who are wise will inherit honor. From whom do you think will inherit that honor? Well, it is from God himself, the one who has all glory and all might and all power. The wise will inherit a portion of his glory. That is, we will be honored by those around us who are who are righteous because of our reflection of the righteousness and the goodness and the might of God. The wise will inherit kabod, but shame will be the promotion of fools. And really, I don't know what your version says there instead of promotion of fools, but what it means there is that the wise will be conspicuously honored, but the conspicuous characteristic of fools, those who are rejecting the counsel of God, will be shame. Their billboard, if you will, their promotion will be eventually shame. And so I wanted us to relate that verse and its meaning all the way back to our study of Tamar in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I want us to read through that passage if you have your Bible together. And what I'd like for us to do from this passage just for the next few minutes is to pick out some things, some mistakes that were made, some sins that were committed in this passage that took away the positive reflection of God's glory, at least for a time, from this family and from these characters. And some of them permanently hid the glory of God as a result of some of the things that happened in this chapter. So I'm just going to pick out uh, six or seven mistakes that were made, things that they did to bring shame rather than glory upon their families, as Proverbs as the proverb that we just read, Proverbs 3, verses 33 through 35, we're going to pick out some things that they did in this chapter, very succinctly put, that will hide the glory of God and that will keep us from reflecting it. So let's begin. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, 
had a fair or a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So Absalom and Tamar were full brother and sister. This is not the Tamar, by the way, that's back in the book of Genesis, remember, who committed the sin with Judah. This is Tamar number two, and actually there are going to be three Tamars, but this is Tamar number two, and she's the full sister of Absalom, the half-sister of Amnon, and Amnon has fallen deeply in lust with her, as we'll see. And Amnon was so vexed, verse two, that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. I guess he did because he was wickedly desiring her and she was a virgin before God. So the first big error that we see here that's always wrong is his wicked desire, his lust for her. Now lust is not always sexual. It is any inordinate or sinful desire. But this lust was sexual in nature. Let's see from the book of James where lust always ends up. If you have your Bible, turn over to James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. You probably don't even need your Bibles for this because you're familiar with this passage. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust or inordinate desires for that to which he has no right. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. You see, in this passage, Amnon wasn't all the way to sin yet. But he had this wicked desire. And he didn't conquer it when it was simply a desire. He let it conceive and bring forth sin and ultimately death, as we will see in this passage. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. We're in verse 3. The son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. So Amnon has a cousin here who is not only wicked, but he's smart in his wickedness. He's clever in the way that he deceives people. So the next really bad thing we see here is that, John, that Amnon took into his close relations a wicked friend. 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us that evil companionships or communications, social relationships, corrupt good morals and that's what's about to happen here is that Amnon taking the wise counsel taking the unwise counsel rather of Jonadab is about to let his lust develop into sin and he said to him this is Jonadab why are you being the king's son lean from day to day why are you losing weight will you not tell me and Amnon said to him I love Tamar my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said to him, lay down on your bed and pretend, feign yourself sick. And when your father comes to you, say to him, I pray you let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. 
Well, Jonadab here is figuring out a way that he can get Amnon alone with Tamar. That is wicked counsel. Mistake number three is listening to wicked counsel. The book of Proverbs is replete with warnings against our listening to wicked counsel. Proverbs 19 verse 27 says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. That is, we have the words of knowledge from God, so don't listen to words that are in opposition to those words of knowledge. Proverbs 1, verses 5 through 7. You're probably already familiar with those, but I'm going to turn there real quickly. It says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain to wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation or a figure, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So he wasn't going to the right source. He wasn't he wasn't filled with the fear of the Lord and going to the words of the Lord for his counsel, but rather listening to wicked counsel. So number one is wicked desire. Number two is wicked friend. Number three is wicked counsel. Number four is deceit. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said to the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Now, it's more than a desire. It's a sin because he's deceiving his father, the king. He's saying, I'm sick. Let my sister come. I think it'll help me feel better. And it's funny that he calls when he's lusting after her, he calls her his brother Absalom's sister. And now when he's feigning his sickness and saying, I'd like for her to come and make me something to eat, he's calling her my sister. I think that's very interesting. So deceit is the next grievous thing that we see. If we look at Psalm chapter 55, and let's look at verse 23. It says, But you, O God, will bring them down into the pit of destruction, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. He's saying here that deceit and blood guiltiness often come together, and it's going to come together in this chapter. But these men don't get to live out all their days. Many times we find that to be the case. So in this passage, there's somebody who's going to be killed very prematurely early and it's because of this sin of deceit that began at least with desire and then deceit let's see what else then david sent home to tamar saying go now to your brother amnon's house and dress him meat so tamar went to her brother amnon's house and he was laid down and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes and she took a pan and poured them out before him but he refused to eat and Amnon said get all the men out for me and they went out every man from him you know what's happening right here 
he is deliberately making provision for his sexual sin. Romans 13 verse 14 calls that making provision for the flesh. You know what? Sometimes we think about our sins ahead of time. I was speaking to a couple recently and this man had committed adultery, but he did some things that morning before he committed adultery that he knew would make a way. He hadn't decided for sure that he was going to commit adultery, but he knew that if he got alone with this woman, he would be able to do that. And he made some decisions about which vehicle to drive, about what time to arrive at the house where he was going to to be um, engaged in work. He, he made provision so that he could commit that sin should he decide to do that. Well, when we make provision for the flesh, the devil is going to, I mean, he is going to pounce at that point. And that's why Romans 13 verse 14 says, make no provision for the flesh. So he had everyone to be gone. And then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to the chamber to Amnon her brother. And when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, don't force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not do thou this folly. And whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for you, you will be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray you speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. So, first of all here, we have his initiation of sexual sin. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, flee fornication. And he certainly wasn't running away from sexual sin. I'm just here to tell you that when people become involved in, in sexual sin, they bite off a huge bite of regret. If ever they plan to come back to the Lord, generally the sexual sin that's been committed in the past is the sin that is hardest to overcome. It is hardest to forgive oneself of sexual sin. Maybe that's why the passage says that the one who commits sexual sin in 1 Corinthians 6 sins against his own body or his own self. It's because it bites us in the end. It hurts us in the end. It promises an instant heaven and delivers an eternal hell. So in verse 11, he initiated sexual sin. And then in verse 13, he refused wise counsel. She said, don't do this thing to me. Let's just go and ask my father David. I'd rather just submit to you as your wife. I'd rather this be a consensual and married kind of love. Let's go ask David. He will give me to you. I think her spirit there was one of sparing him the shame that he was about to bring. It was a good spirit that she had there. But he refused her wise counsel. Proverbs 15 verse 32 speaks about the one who refuses wise counsel. It says this, He that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he who hears reproof 
gets understanding. Was Amnon hurting himself, despising his own soul when he refused to hear the wise counsel of Tamar? Obviously he was. Something very bad is about to happen to him. So then Amnon, he forced her in verse 14. He was stronger than she was, the Bible says, and he lay with her. So he raped his half-sister. Verse 15, that Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. I have found in counseling that so often once the sexual sin is committed, the attraction has gone away, and sometimes it is replaced by hatred. So often this occurs. She said to him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered to him and said, Put now this woman out for me and bolt the door after her. It was all he was thinking about to get her in there. And then once he raped her, he never wanted to see her again. And she had a garment of various colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. And then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her, and she put ashes on her head and tore her garment of diverse colors. That garment that signified that she was a virgin, she tore it up and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon been with you? Hold your peace now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't think about this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. That is, Absalom was saying, I'm going to take care of this. You don't have to tell anyone about this. But when King David heard about all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. I fought King David here. I mean, we have to. He heard about this, and he was angry, but he didn't do anything about it. Parental anger without action about sin is a wrong parental path to follow. So it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Belhazor, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now your servant has sheep shearers. Let the king, I beseech you, and his servants go with your servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he, he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but he blessed him. So Absalom said, If not, I pray you, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom, verse 28, had commanded his servants, saying, Mark now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man 
got up on his mule and fled. And when they were in the way, tidings came to David, saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons, and there's not one of them left. We read on down and we find out that he actually did not kill all the king's sons, that that was an erroneous message. But in verse 28, we have a situation that started with lust, an evil desire, and now it has gone all the way down to extreme violence a brother killing his own half-brother. We're going to see some very bad things keep on occurring in the life of Absalom, but Amnon's life is cut off here early on in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I want us to review real quickly the mistakes that were made in 2 Samuel chapter 13 that took away the kabod, as Proverbs chapter 3 verses 33 through 35 tell us will happen. Number one is wicked desire, verse two. Number two is a wicked friend, verse three. Number three is wicked counsel, that's verse five. Number four is deceit, that's verse six. Number five is provision for the flesh, that's verse nine. Number six is sexual sin, that's verse 11. Number seven is the refusal of wise counsel, on the other hand, and that is verse 13. Number eight is parental anger without action, and that's found in verse 20. And finally, verse nine is violence, and that's found in verse 28. Those who refuse wise counsel bring their families to shame. In Proverbs three, the bottom of that chapter says, they do not get the glory, the honor, the kabod, but rather they bring their families to shame. And I would postulate that that is implying to us, not only do we bring our families shame, but as we've been studying about from Titus 2 verses 3 through 5, when we live lives that aren't in line with the wisdom of God, we bring reproach on the body of Christ. That is, we cause others to blaspheme against the Holy Word of God. Hope you have a great day. I am excited because four friends of mine, sisters from the West Huntsville Church and I, are heading out early in the morning to be at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. And by the time you hear this, I'm sure that we'll be back and I'll try to give you a reports the first time that I think it's the first time that any of us have participated but I am excited to be going with these sisters it'll be a great time of fellowship for a great cause to let our voices however small they might be be heard in a what we hope is a multitude that does make a difference this weekend in Washington DC have a great weekend if you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.